Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. chapter 5. I want to read what Paul wrote to our brothers and sisters who gathered at Rome. And I want to read what we have recorded in the parentheses. Now I will not be able to deal, or I will not deal exclusively with what's in the parentheses, but mainly what's in the parentheses. But I also will not be able to deal exhaustively with what's in the parentheses. Let's read what is in the parentheses, verses 13 through 17. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or the similarity of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Now, my title this morning is this, Christ Superabounds Adam. Yes, sir. Christ superabounds Adam. Now, as I mentioned last week, Paul, in verse 12, introduces the subject of representation. <laughs> he is not defining to us the origination of sin. Now, I know, I know a lot of the old theologians used to talk about original sin, and that's true in mankind, but sin existed before mankind was created. Paul's not giving us where sin came from, but he is now beginning to establish the doctrine, the truth of representation. And he does so, now hang on to this, he does so in light of establishing the doctrine of substitution. And that he speaks of in verses 6 through 11. And the doctrine of substitution summed up is this. When Christ died, he reconciled to God everyone for whom he died. It is a vast number. It can be be called many. But it is an absolutely inclusive number, and it is therefore also can be called all. So the many and the all that Christ died for, he reconciled them to God when he died for them, and they were even enemies personally when this took place. 
This is substitution. And having reconciled them to God, even while they were enemies, by his death in his life, seeing that he yet lives, he will assure that they will be saved. That is regenerated and converted and ultimately ushered into glory into Christ's presence. Yes, Paul never leaves that foundation of substitution as he introduces representation. Now, if God will let us get a hold of that and stay a hold of that, it'll help us in verses 12 through 21, but we'll deal mainly with 13 through 17. Now, there are many kinds of representatives among men. There are legal representatives, attorneys, right? There are attorneys who represent the person accused. There are attorneys who represent the state or the people. There are elected representatives. And you can go on down the list, all of that. There are many kinds of representatives among men. But there are only two in whom God ordained for humanity that humanity be factually, explicitly, and immutably made to be what they are. Mm -hmm. Did you hear what I said? Representatives in this world, all these other representatives can only represent us up to a point. These two representatives Paul speaks of, and it's clear, Adam and Christ. That's what the parentheses really emphasizes, is he lets us know for sure who these two representatives are. These two representatives, factually, explicitly, and immutably made men to be what they are, under each representative headship. In other words, in Adam, the many and the all he represented. And I use that particular word. I'm I'm sure, I wouldn't argue with someone who says Adam still represents us, but Adam's dead and gone. And the context of this is Adam represented us when he was in that garden, And when he fell in that one act of disobedience, we fell in him. And everything about Adam is always in the past tense. Some things about Christ are in the past tense, but also ushered into the future tense. And a guaranteed future tense. Because remember... The doctrine of substitution never goes contrary to the doctrine of representation. That's right. And the doctrine of representation never goes contrary to the doctrine of substitution. And it's clear by substitution, Christ, everyone, the many and the all Christ represents, they're okay. Amen. And they shall be okay. Amen. They're okay even when they don't know they're okay. Exactly. They're okay even when nobody else knows they're okay, but God himself. That's right. And they will be brought to have some assurance, some trust, some confidence, some hope, based upon a God-given faith that they are okay. In Adam, the many, the all he represented are dead. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, there were only two of them. That's right. They hadn't even had children yet. That's right. Did he get it? But sin entered into the world. 
Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men. That's all that Adam represented. Yes, sir. For that all have sinned. Not sinned in time. That's not the context. He's not moving from the past into the future. When Adam sinned, we sinned in him. He's our representative. We were, as the writer of Hebrews points out, we were in Adam's loins. Whatever he did, we did. That's it. Remember that Levi paid tithes? Levi who received tithes paid tithes to Melchizedek. Levi wasn't even alive yet. But how did that happen? Through representation. His daddy, Abraham, represented him. And when Abraham paid tithes, so did Levi. So, again, in Adam, the many, the all he represented, are dead spiritually. They're dead even to the place of condemnation. That's what we read here. They're even dead to the place of being under death's reign. Death is not something we can battle against and overcome. We cannot I seen a little thing on TV, I think it may have been yesterday, about cryogenics. And they still think, these scientists still think, they say there's, there's nothing in science that says that that can't be possible. You're an idiot. Science may not say that, but this book does. Yes, sir. We are under death's reign. But here's the problem. This is not talking about physical death. No, it's not. And the proof is in the scripture. There were two men in the Old Testament era that never died physically. That's right. Enoch was not found. That is, they never found his body. Why? Because God just took him. That's right. He transformed Enoch. He never died physically. But he died in his daddy Adam spiritually. Yes, sir. And who was the other one? Was it Elijah? He didn't die. He was raptured up. I know some people don't like that word, but it's an okay word. Just like the saints one day who are still physically alive when Christ returns. They're not going to die. That's right. Physical death has not passed upon all men. We're still living. We will die physically. Oh, yeah. And Adam did die physically hundreds of years later. But God told him, the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And he did. Spiritually. And we so died in him. But died in the condemnation. And this condemnation is not the condemnation of hell. This is the condemnation of the state into which we fail. Enmity against God. Hatred against God. A complete refusal to bow to the authority of God Almighty, our Creator. That's the condemnation. And this is the condemnation. Men shall go to hell one day. Is that what it says? Now that's true. Don't, don't. I'm not belittling that. I'm not saying that's not a condemnation. But that's not the condemnation here. Now I'm going to throw you one of those grenades. You hear people talk about, well, so and so finally came out of the closet, and someone says, well, God made me that way. The person who comes out of the closet says, God made me that way, and somebody else says, God didn't make you that way. I heard that just a few days ago. Under the fall of Adam, God did make you that way. (laughs) Wherefore, as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. 
If anybody ever comes out of the closet, it's because it's already down in their heart. There you go. Yeah. We'll look at that here in a moment. Not necessarily coming out of the closet. Everybody wants to come out of the closet today. There are still things about me I'm glad are still in the closet. And I hope they remain in the closet. But condemned spiritually, dead spiritually, under death's reign. In Christ, the many, the all that he represents. Notice the change of word there now. The many that he represents because Christ did not just represent us. And as Earl used to say in the difference, says about the world, God making the world just kind of wind it up like a clock and then just fling it out there. No, God is still absolutely still controlling every minute yes, detail, even the specks of dust that float in this room that we can't see. Yes, sir. Somebody says, I don't believe that. It's because you don't believe God. Exactly. In Christ, the many, the all he represents they have abounding grace. Yes. Even if they don't know it yet. Exactly. They have justification. Even as Paul goes on to say in verse 18, even justification of life. Yes. They will receive, they will receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness in life. If Christ represented them, they will. Yes, sir. They will. And it's all said to be by Christ. By Christ. Yes. By, not by something they do. Nothing here yeah. is about something we do to make what Christ did of value to us. Exactly. That is the common definition of so-called representation in the free will, man-centered, anti-Christ gospel we hear today. Right. But this is saying these two men are the only two true representatives that ever factually, explicitly, and immutably made men to be what they are. And even God's people, even the elect, even the regenerated and converted will never escape the representation of Adam in our flesh until we lay it down and he transforms us and gives us new bodies and we awaken his likeness. And it's clear. Look at what it says. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. We'll look at that, Lord willing, here in a bit. For if through the offense of one, many be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be dead. Not are dying. Not will die. But yes. be dead. Mm-hmm. Much more. There's your super abounding. Amen. Super abounding. Much more. The grace of God and the gift by grace. Now why I even have to say that? Yeah. Because we're so dull of hearing. You're right. Grace is a gift. It is not a offer. That's right. Grace is a sovereign power of God in mercy and compassion, bestowing upon men and women that which he desires for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, not by anything we do. Yeah. By one man, Jesus Christ. So there's no doubt. Hath abounded unto many. The same many. And not as it was by the 
by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. Now, we're not all in hell. But it's being condemned into that utter ruin of absolute and total depravity. We are plumb lost, as Ralph Barnard used to say. Yes, plumb lost. Amen. Not mostly lost. No, exactly. Not 99.9% .9 lost. We're plumb lost. Mm -hmm. Amen. Not as it was by one to sin, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses. Yeah. Many offenses. Under justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more. I like that. Much more. Free will religion doesn't know anything about this much more, does it? That's right. They read it. They mention it. I used to hear them talk about when they would read, moreover the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And I'd hear those old Arminian free will preachers. I didn't know that's what they were because I was yeah. a part of them. But that's what they were. And they said, that's super abound. And I thought, boy, that sounded good. And you check it out, that's right, super abound. But they never explained. They never actually taught how it yeah. super abounded. Because when they began to teach, you thought, well, that grace ain't much better than the law. Exactly. This is God's kind of like God's last ditch final attempt to save a few people. Yeah. That ain't what this is talking about. Not a bit. It ain't, in spite of the bad English, it ain't close. Yeah, that's right. You're right. It ain't close. Adam's representation and its consequences. Paul goes on to say, preceded the legal imputation of sin. Now, there's a lot. I thought about stopping there, but there, there, there's a point here. Adam's representation and its consequences preceded the legal imputation of sin, but its consequences were absolute nevertheless. That's right. Verse 13 again. For until the law, sin was in the world. It was already there. Oh, yeah. And somebody said, well, Adam had a law. No, that wasn't law. At best, it could be called a prohibition. Because one, Adam was told, you're going to break it. Right. He didn't say, if you eat. He said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, he was warning him, but he was telling him what was coming down the pike. Yes, sir. But most people, when they're in, they think, God said, now, Adam, don't you eat this. If you do, this is what's going to happen. It wasn't an if. Christ was already as a lamb slain from the foundation of Amen. the world. Amen. There was no doubt as to the fact that Adam would sin. And he sinned without being deceived. Exactly. He willingly, knowingly, as we say, with his eyes fully opened, as we use that phrase, stepped into disobedience. Yes, sir. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So we know now, sin is imputed now. Listen to me. We were not imputed Adam's sin. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. There was no imputation of anything until the law came. And it's clear what law he talks about. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to who? Moses. So he's talking about that law of Moses, right? Now let's not be silly. Let's not try to shy away from the word of God because it maybe goes beyond the pale of what we can piece together in number one, number two, number three. These are the truth. This is the truth of representation. Yeah. 
And again, I say, Adam's representation and its consequences preceded the legal imputation of sin, but its consequences were absolute nevertheless. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Do you see it? Therefore, it ain't about us being imputed Adam's sin. It's worse than that. That's right. Exactly. We are conceived and we grow in the belly and we're born forth. We are brought forth just like the state into which Adam fell. Adam knew what some call innocence, what the book calls uprightness. He knew what it was to fall. We do not know what it is to fall. We are conceived and born fallen. That's why we are called natural men. It's natural to us. It didn't begin natural to Adam. He fell. We fell in him. I don't fall I was conceived yeah. fallen. That's it. I was gestated in a fallen state. Fallen. And somebody says, well, that's your mommy and daddy's fault? No, that's Adam's fault. Yeah. And God ain't charging me with Adam's sin. He made me a sinner by Adam's sin. Yeah. And then my own sins, especially when the law comes along, says, here's what sins are. Mm-hmm. Now I bear the brunt of God taking account of my sins but I became a sinner by one man's disobedient act yeah, that's right somebody says I don't believe that well then you don't believe God Amen. That's right. there you go. the law entered that the offense might abound yeah. verse 20 correct yeah. in other words in Adam's fall men commit sins because they're sinners I remember years ago hearing Henry Manhattan say that. Of course, I've been born and bred in free will works religion, and that struck me like a ton of lead. Because we were always taught, you're basically born innocent. You're basically born okay, but then you do something wrong. You get get up old enough to kind of know the difference between right and wrong, and you do something wrong, and now you're a sinner. No, we were made sinners by one man's disobedience, period. We sin. We commit sins. We live in sin. We are dead in trespasses and sins because we were made sinners. That's what we are. Yes, sir. The unregenerate man drinks up iniquity like a thirsty man drinks water. It's natural. It's natural. Somebody says, well, preacher, that's not very, not much of a happy message. It's not if you leave out the second representative. It'd be absolute despair, no hope whatsoever if God only left us, if God only had for us one representative. But there is a second representative. There's a second representative, and not to jump the gun too much, but he's more than a representative. He superabounds. He superabounds. The law entered that the offense might abound. And again, Adam's fall. In Adam's fall, men commit sins because they're sinners. Now, let's concentrate on Paul's words in verses 15 and 16. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. And for years, this perplexed me. Because I have to admit, just taken as a statement of words, 
And especially if you take it out of context. And especially if you take it out of light of the doctrine of true, the true doctrine of representation. Yeah. It's a lie. Yeah. It's two opposites. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. Really? How can that be? Huh? Uh, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. It's like speaking out both sides of your mouth, ain't it? Unless you see the context and the doctrine that's taught here. Now, I know some of you are intrigued. and Somebody thought, what in the world is he talking about? There'll be especially some out there say, what in the world is he talking about? The Spirit of God provided us a jump start here to Paul's words. Now look at it. Let me read it. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though the law had not been given yet. Yeah. There was no imputation yet, but there certainly was impartation. Oh yeah. That's there was impartation. Yeah. And impartation, I said, I don't want to get off of Impartation always must precede <laughs> imputation. There you go. Yeah. God does not take account of what does not exist. Right. But it's, I don't want to get off on that. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now note, Adam figured Christ. That is, Adam is like a die cast. You know what a die is? You make a die, they make coins and other things. And they have a, a die that's usually two-sided, I think, whatever it is. I'm not a die expert when it comes to money. But, you know, the die here, the die here, and they put the precious metal in the middle. Now it ain't much precious. It's usually junk with a little bit of something coating on it. But it, stamp it together. The die is not the same thing as what you've just stamped out. That's right. There are similarities. You see, there are similarities. But they ain't to say, go try to spin the die. There you go. Right. Matter of fact, have the die in your pocket and be found with it. You may go to jail. That's right. You, yeah. I, you're not at Fort Knox. Yeah. You don't work at Fort Knox. I think Paul did for a while, but he wasn't a die caster. He was a tank fixer-upper. <laughs> it's a die or a stamp or a resemblance. Adam figured Christ, but note what is conspicuously absent, and yea, what is not directly said, but is clearly marked out. Paul's words in verse 15 and 16 denote that Christ was not a figure of Adam. Because Christ is much more than Adam was, is, even in glory. If Adam's in glory now, Christ is still much more than Adam. Amen. When we go to glory, he will still be much more than us. Amen. For we will worship him. He will not worship us. Amen. Now, that help you just a little bit? But let's get back to the matter. Verse 16, 15 and 16, this phrase that Christ was not a figure of Adam because Christ is much more than Adam. Yeah. Christ superabounds Adam. And that's what he's talking about when he says, but not as the offense, so also is. There is a similarity. And I've used the phrase, it's, it's the same but different, but it's, 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 that doesn't really, it's the same, but the difference in the other. 
There is a similarity between Christ and Adam, but when you look at Christ, there's much more to Christ than there is to Adam. That's what he's talking about. And somebody says, well, that's your take. That's what this says. It's there in the context. 